Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The Law School of America, Mirror Image Rule. In the Law of Contracts, the Mirror Image Rule, also referred to as an unequivocal and absolute acceptance requirement, states that an offer must be accepted exactly with no modifications. The offerer is the master of their own offer. An attempt to accept the offer on different terms instead creates a counteroffer, and this constitutes a rejection of the original offer. United States. In the United States, this rule still exists at common law. However, the Uniform Commercial Code, UCC, dispenses with it in Section 2-207. But it can also be argued that Section 2-207-1 enforces the mirror image rule, therefore, its applicability depends upon what law governs. Most states have adopted the UCC, which governs transactions and goods. Contracts for services or land, for example, would not be governed by the UCC. The second restatement of contracts also provides that when parties have not agreed to an essential term, a term which is reasonable in the circumstances is supplied by the court. However, it may not be possible for a reasonable term to be supplied by the court. England. The English common law established the concepts of consensus ad idem, offer, acceptance and counteroffer. The leading case on counteroffer is Hyde v. Wrench. The phrase mirror image rule is rarely, if at all, used by English lawyers, but the concept remains valid, as in Gibson v. Manchester City Council and Butler Machine Tool v. Excello. Invitation to Treat An invitation to treat, or invitation to bargain in the United States, is a concept within contract law which comes from the Latin phrase invitatio ad offerendum, meaning inviting an offer. According to Professor Andrew Burroughs, an invitation to treat is an expression of willingness to negotiate. A person making an invitation to treat does not intend to be bound as soon as it is accepted by the person to whom the statement is addressed. A contract is a legally binding voluntary agreement formed when one person makes an offer and the other accepts it. There may be some preliminary discussion before an offer is formally made. Such pre-contractual representations are known variously as invitations to treat, requests for information or statements of intention. True offers may be accepted to form a contract, whereas representations such as invitations to treat may not. However, although an invitation to treat cannot be accepted it should not be ignored, for it may nevertheless affect the offer. For example, where an offer is made in response to an invitation to treat, the offer may incorporate the terms of the invitation to treat, unless the offer expressly incorporates different terms. If, as in the Boots case, described below, the offer is made by an action without any negotiations, such as presenting goods to a cashier, the offer will be presumed to be on the terms of the invitation to treat. Case Law Generally, advertisements are not offers but invitations to treat, so the person advertising is not compelled to sell. In Partridge v. Cretendon 1 WLR 1204, a defendant who was charged with offering for sale protected birds Bramblefinch cocks and hens that he had advertised for sale in a newspaper, was not offering to sell them. Lord Parker C.J. said it did not make business sense for advertisements to be offers, as the person making the advertisement may find himself in a situation where he would be contractually obliged to sell more goods than he actually owned. 
In certain circumstances called unilateral contracts, an advertisement can be an offer, as in Carlo v. Carbolic Smoke Ball Company, where it was held that the defendants, who advertised that they would pay £100 to anyone who sniffed a smoke ball in the prescribed manner and yet caught influenza, were contractually obliged to pay £100 to whoever accepted it by performing the required acts. A display of goods for sale in a shop window or within a shop is an invitation to treat, as in the Boots case, a leading case concerning supermarkets. The shop owner is thus not obliged to sell the goods, even if signage such as special offer accompanies the display. Also, in Fisher v. Bell, the display of a flick knife for sale in a shop did not contravene legislation which prohibited offering for sale an offensive weapon. If a shop mistakenly displays an item for sale at a very low price it is not obliged to sell it for that amount. For an offer to be capable of becoming binding on acceptance, the offer must be definite, clear, and objectively intended to be capable of acceptance. In England, auctions are governed by the Sale of Goods Act 1979, as amended. Section 57-2 provides, a sale by auction is complete when the auctioneer announces its completion by the fall of the hammer or in other customary manner. Until the announcement is made any bidder may retract his bid. S. 57-3 provides further, an auction sale may be subject to a reserve price. However, if the auction is held without reserve then the auctioneer is obliged to sell to the highest bidder. It is implicit from Payne v. Cave, 1789, an early case concerning auctions, that each bid is deemed to expire when others make higher bids, but some auctioneers, such as eBay, have lawfully amended this presumption so that, should a higher bidder withdraw his bid, they may accept a lower one. The tender process is a debated issue. In the case of Spencer v. Harding, the defendants offered to sell stock by tender, but the court held that there was no promise to sell to the highest bidder, merely an invitation for offers which they could then accept or reject at will. In exceptional circumstances, an invitation for tenders may be an offer, as in Harvela Investments v. Royal Trust of Canada, where the court held that because defendants had made clear an intention to accept the highest tender, then the invitation to tender was an offer accepted by the person making the highest tender. The Harvela case also made it clear that referential bids, for example, $2,100,000 or $101,000 in excess of any other offer which you may receive, whichever is the higher, as in the Harvela case, are void as being contrary to public policy and not cricket. Firm Offer A firm offer is an offer that will remain open for a certain period or until a certain time or occurrence of a certain event, during which it is incapable of being revoked. As a general rule, all offers are revocable at any time prior to acceptance, even those offers that purport to be irrevocable on their face. In the United States, an exception is the Merchant Firm Offer Rule set out in Uniform Commercial Code, Section 2-205, which states that an offer is firm and irrevocable if it is an offer to buy or sell goods made by a merchant, and it is in writing and signed by the offerer. Such an offer is irrevocable even in the absence of consideration. If no time is stated, it is irrevocable for a reasonable time, but in no event may a period of irrevocability exceed three months. Any such term of assurance in a form supplied by the offeree must be separately signed by the offerer. However, even when the period of irrevocability expires, the offer may still remain open until revoked or rejected according to the general rules regarding termination of an offer. If the offeree rejects, fails to accept the terms of the offer, fixed or otherwise, or makes a counteroffer, then the original offer is terminated. The Law School of America the content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation Incorporated under a Creative Commons Attribution, Share Alike License.
the text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America